It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is lucky October 13th, 2020. My name is Philip Russell. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You must follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to finish up player evaluations. I've got four more I want to get to. So we're going to do a little speed round of player evaluations. No big players here. We've talked about all the big players already. So we'll finish up those player evaluations. We'll prep to evaluate Steve Clifford and Jeff Waltman later on in the week before we sum up the 2020 season and turn our attention to the draft. But there's still one rumor hanging around there that's uh, at least making its rounds through the media once again. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all to get check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching for every download podcast for Locked On in the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers and the celebration that is going on with social distancing, unlike here in Florida, um, in Los Angeles, check out Locked On Lakers. No matter what your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, and check out those MLB podcasts like Locked On Rays and our NFL podcasts like Locked On Bucks, to get you set for the sports season that continues on without the NBA for just a brief moment. You can check them out wherever you download podcasts today. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for, the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Before we dive into our final player evaluations for the 2020 season... 
It's rumor season again. Yes, with the NBA season over, the trade moratorium is somewhat lifted, although it's very limited right now. And all eyes are focused on the NBA draft. November 18th, we will get into the NBA draft starting later this week or next week, I promise. We got a lot to talk about with the NBA draft. But the NBA draft is scheduled for November 18th, and it is full-on draft season. The NBA released, uh, or Shams Charania reported um, that the NBA is allowing teams to do in-person workouts with up to 10 people, at a, not at a time, one at a time, but up to 10, bring in 10 prospects for in-person workouts. So the, 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 the ability to gain information is expanding, and, and I am planning to write the 10 prospects that I think the Magic should bring in and should make sure that they have an audience with and get to know a little bit better, essentially just kind of saying, these are the 10 guys the Magic are probably going to pick. Um, there, there's a lot to get to with the draft. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. But the draft also means the reopening of the trade window and reopening of teams looking to move around. And no doubt, we've already talked about, or at least I've already talked about online, about how this draft is going to be very tricky. With the idea that this is not a strong draft and very few teams have cap room to begin with, we're going to see, I feel like, a lot of moving uh, in the next couple, in the next month or so. We're going to see a lot of moving uh, in this offseason without free agency um, because there's just not a lot of quality for agents. Like, I, I, I am serious about this. If Evan Fournier were to opt out of his contract, he would probably be the second or third best free agent on the market. The problem is no one has money to spend. Um, so I don't expect him to opt out. That deadline is expected to be, um, if not, it was supposed to be tomorrow. Um, from my understanding, but uh, I imagine that, that has been extended with the, with the draft delayed by another month. This is, again, all to say that we're in the season where teams are going to be looking to move and shake. And the New York Post has the juiciest rumor of the day, that the New York Knicks are not thrilled with being at the eighth pick, that they really want LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman, largely considered two of the top three prospects in this draft, and if neither of them fall, and there's been some thought that James Wiseman could fall that far, although I, I, I still doubt it. There is some thought that uh, if, the, if those two players are not available at eight, the Knicks are willing to trade back. I have long said, and I firmly believe, that if the Magic were to trade up in this draft, I wouldn't target the second pick, which a lot of Magic fans have, have kind of targeted because Golden State feels like they need veterans. And I do have some thoughts that, that Golden State might want, uh, want at least one player on the Magic, but I'm not sure that, 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 they would, that that would be their first choice or what they would do to get him. That if the Magic were to trade up, I wouldn't trade up to the top of this draft. I'd trade up into that 8, 9, 10 range. I'd move up four or five spots to try and get guys like Devin Vassell or Aaron Neesmith or Tyrese Halliburton or um, Tyrese Maxey. Not Tyrese Maxey, uh, uh Killian Hayes, sorry. I'm still, I'm still learning the draft the draft pool here. And so it was not a surprise or a complete surprise to see that the New York Post mentioned the Magic's previous interest in Dennis Smith Jr. as a potential way to get the Knicks to move up or get the Magic to move up to eight or as a tool to get the Magic up to eight. I want to kind of put this to bed because... The moment this hit the press and the moment that things started churning again, I immediately saw people say, oh, Aaron Gordon in 15 for Dennis Smith Jr. in 8. First off, 
unless the Knicks really want to spend their cap room on Aaron Gordon, which, you know, they have a ton of power forwards already, and Scott Perry's obviously there. He, he drafted Aaron Gordon here in Orlando. That probably isn't going to work. The only salary the Magic have that would match Dennis Smith Jr., because the Magic cannot take in more salary than they send out in this kind of a deal, which, of course, if they traded Aaron Gordon straight up for the, for the eighth pick, then, you know, that would be doing that. The only salary they have that matches Dennis Smith Jr. is Mo, Mo Bamba, and, and the Magic aren't trading Mo Bamba for Dennis Smith Jr. To me, when I read this rumor, this was not new reporting. This was rehashing something that came out in February around the trade deadline. The Magic have been long connected to Dennis Smith Jr., dating back to his draft when the Magic picked Jonathan Isaac over him. There were talks that the Magic might trade with Dallas for him. There were talks that the Magic would trade with New York with him. But all of them never came to fruition. And the fact of the matter is, Dennis Wood Jr., despite all the talent that we thought he had at the draft, you can go back and listen to my draft podcast from that day. I actually was an advocate for drafting Dennis Wood Jr. Because I felt like the Magic needed the scoring. The fact is, Dennis Wood Jr. has not lived up to that potential. He was kind of pushed aside when Luka Doncic arrived in Dallas. He was traded to New York and has struggled to find his footing in New York. I am not against acquiring Dennis Smith Jr., I think the Magic should be in the market for second draft guys. What do I mean by second draft guys? Guys that have are near the end of their rookie contracts. Uh, Smith has one year left on his rookie contract. Guys that are at the end of their rookie contracts who haven't worked out with their original teams or the teams that they're on for whatever reason, and you just take a flyer on them. Markel Fultz was essentially a second draft guy. It's essentially saying, I'm getting a second bite at a draft class that I really like or a player from that draft that I really like that just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a one-shot chance, and if it doesn't work out, hey, he's a free agent. I don't have to do anything with him. I am not against a second draft guy. I think the Magic should be in the market for second draft guys. Those guys can help fill out, fill out roles at the end of benches. You kind of reset expectations, reset roles, kind of teach them your way. And they got to learn, they got to be good, or they're out of the league. Dennis Smith Jr. is a perfect second draft candidate. I'm sure the Knicks thought that when they acquired him too in the Christophs Porzingis trade. Although, at that time, they probably thought he was a centerpiece in that trade. But the reality is, you're not going to, as much as I think the Knicks want to pawn off Dennis Smith Jr. on someone, and probably Kevin Knox too, this, I don't see a framework for a deal. I just don't see a framework for this to happen. It might have made some sense during the season. I don't know if it makes sense now. Unless the Knicks are so desperate to trade Dennis Smith Jr. that they're willing to attach the eighth pick to get rid of him. One year, $5 million, though, isn't enough. Unless the Knicks are just absolutely stupid, which, who knows, maybe they are. Doing that deal with... To, to just get rid of, get off $5 million, when, especially in a free agent summer that has no free agents, doesn't make sense to me. And neither does acquiring Aaron Gordon for the Knicks to me either. They have, you know, I know Julius Randle, I, I believe, is a free agent. They have a ton of power forwards. Unless Scott Perry is just obsessed with making Aaron Gordon a small forward, that isn't going to work. I will say this, however, and, and I've said this throughout this entire draft process, I will continue to say it. If the Magic believe their guy is available to them at 8 or wherever in this draft, if they are trying to move up in this draft to get a specific player, they should do whatever it takes to get them. I'm not going to say what player I would do that. Honestly, I don't know if there's a player in this draft that I would, tr I would give the house to make sure I get. 
you know, Donovan Mitchell is the golden example of this. The the, Dow, the Utah Jazz traded up to get Donovan Mitchell. Denver actually picked him, if I'm not mistaken. And they did everything they had to do to get their guy. I do think the Magic should be that aggressive in the draft. If there's a guy that they are 95% certain is going to turn into a future star or turn into the player that they ultimately need to tie this roster together, go and get him. That is, that is my one draft strategy that I think the Magic absolutely need to hold to. And if it costs you Aaron Gordon to get him, if you're that convinced that someone in this draft is, is going to give you that value, go and get him. With the Magic's roster as presently constructed, you know, you know, if, if you have a lot of faith in Chumo Kiki and, and you want to make sure that he plays a lot his rookie year, you know, that, that certainly is under consideration. But I, I, I don't see a way that the Magic trade Aaron Gordon unless they're getting a pretty significant return. And frankly, the eighth pick and whatever the Knicks can offer them, that probably isn't going to do it for me. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I, I don't think that's going to do it for me. Um, I, I I don't know if it's there. You know, maybe they throw in like a Bobby Portis or Julius Randle or something. I, I that that doesn't get me that doesn't get me crazy. That doesn't that doesn't make me go like yes, this this is the deal. You know, get, getting Devin Vassell, getting Aaron Neesmith, getting you know Tyrese Halliburton, getting uh, uh getting Killian Hayes. You know, getting those guys. It, it, that does that doesn't do it for me. It it, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, so I think that this rumor is much to do is is more rehashing uh, past interest rather than rather than suggesting something is in the works now. Um, but again, I think the Magic do need to be active in this draft and do need to be looking for ways to move up to make sure they get their guy. Having said that, I think it's very possible that a very talented and potentially star level prospect falls to them at fifteen. So I think the Magic will. Well, have a lot of work to do. Um, they have a lot of work to do to prep for this draft, and, and, and it's good that the Magic are going to get their chance to do it. We'll knock out some player evaluations here coming up in just a moment, but before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why? Spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, it is time for a little player evaluation speed round. So we're going to get through the last four players that we have on our player evaluation series. They're not big players, not super important players of the future of the team, so we can talk very, very briefly about them. In fact, I'm not even, I think only one of these four players is probably going to be on the team next year. Um, but let's talk very, very quickly about some of these players. I want to start with DJ Augustine. Um, I, DJ Augustine, to me, is, is one of the most important players on this team. Um, and, and I and I do do mean that. Um, it's not because of what he does on the court, because uh, what he does on the court is very very good. But it, it, it's it's still it's very clear, and it became clear as the season went on that he doesn't quite fit the future vision of this team. That that you know he isn't where this team wants to be heading, and and the direction that it ultimately wants to go. He is still a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but he is not the archetype that the Magic are pursuing. Instead, what Augustine's really important at is as the locker room leader, as the, as the guy whispering in everyone's ears, making them better. He's the guy that's doing shooting contests with the G League guys and the end of bench guys, you know, talk, you know talking trash, keep, keeping everyone's spirits up. He's the guy whispering in Markel Fultz's ear and teaching Markel Fultz how to be a starting point guard in this league and how to be a quality player in this league. And frankly... While there is a huge question at point guard behind Markel Fultz next season, I, I think it's very I think it'd be unwise to just cast DJ Augustine aside. He'll be a free agent this summer. He'll have the option to return or to go elsewhere. And the Magic will have the option to keep him or let him walk. And I'm frankly not a hundred percent sure what the Magic should do because his veteran leadership is invaluable. And I don't think the Magic will find it easy to replace that. His on-court production certainly is valuable, too. Averaged 10.5 points per game this year. Shot 34.8% from beyond the arc. 47.5% effective field goal percentage, obviously down from his 2019 season. Um, and averaged 13.2 points per game in the playoffs. Added 6 assists per game in the playoffs. 4.6 assists per game in the regular season. His his season overall was not super impressive. He didn't have kind of the, the stellar year last year when he was the team's clear starting point guard and and, and just a really big force. But like I said, he doesn't fit the direction this Magic team wants to go. He's not a great defender. It's, it's, he tries. I, 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 effort's not the issue with him. He is, he's just not a great defender. He doesn't have the size that the Magic certainly like. He doesn't have the versatility the Magic like. And while his three-point shooting is super important, he had a down-year three-point shooting this year, he doesn't play at the pace I think the Magic want him to play at, too. Very few players in this league had a negative impact on pace as much as DJ Augustine. According to stats from Basketball Index, 
Let me pull them up here. According to shot, according to stats from Basketball Index, he had one of the most negative impacts on pace by both 538's Raptor metric and everything else. He was in the bottom fifth percentile. Augustine is a prober. He wants to get the ball and kind of just dribble around a little. Dribble around, and that's what point guards need to do sometimes. But he's also very slow at getting the magic into their offense. Things do slow down when Augustine's in there. And because he isn't such an effective driver, he's ultimately led to Mobamba kind of settling for, for popping instead of rolling to the basket. I do think that if there's a if there was a problem that the Magic faced with Mo Bamba and his development, it's that they paired him with DJ Augustine too much. And again, it's not that DJ Augustine is bad at putting guys in the right spot. Bamba got a lot of open shots. But Bamba also wasn't rolling or playing in the same way that he might have or gotten the same kind of quality passes that he might have if he played with Markel Fultz. Whereas DJ Augustine and Nikola Vucevic have a great chemistry. I, 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 I think one mistake that Steve Clifford made throughout the season was not finding a way to pair Fultz and Bamba up more and, pair, and not pairing Augustine and Vucevic up more. I think Fultz would have benefited actually from playing with those with those bench lineups, and I think that is that is a that was a rotation that that Clifford didn't really explore as deeply as I think he should have. Augustine did not have a terrible season; it wasn't a great season, but it also became clear that Augustine, the player, is not the direction this team is going. If if the Magic are trying. Especially this 2021 season, I think I think I've made this clear, but I'll make it clear again. This 2021 season, the Magic are going to try, or the Magic should be trying to move this team into its future, to make this team the team they want it to be. Even if that means taking a step back this coming season, I know I've been big online saying that I think the Magic are a playoff team, and, and I still think that'll be the goal no matter what. But I do agree that the Magic need to start transitioning this team from what it is to what it will be. And, of course, Jonathan Isaac's injury is a cover to, to say, oh, you know, we, Jonathan Isaac was injured, of course. You know, we, we, we knew we were going to struggle a little bit. The Magic have some cover to make some moves to take a step back and kind of tra- make that transition. And, unfortunately, I think letting DJ Augustine walk is part of that transition. I think that he is more than, cap- more than capable of playing in the NBA still. I'm just not sure, as a player, it's what the Magic need. Having said that, he is the perfect personality fit for this team. And I do think losing him would be a big blow to this Magic roster. I think losing him is something that might cost the playoffs if the Magic don't bring back a veteran with the same kind of you know temperament uh, and, and commitment to this team. So I don't know what the Magic are going to do with D.J. Augustine. If they could get him to come back on a one-year deal or one maybe a two-year deal even at, at a lower price... You know, I, I definitely think about bringing him back. I, I don't think the Magic should just out, just out and out let him leave. But I, I am not. I'm very skeptical that, that that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm skeptical that that Augustine remains with the Orlando Magic. The other veteran I want to talk about is James Ennis. James Ennis had a very strange run with the Orlando Magic. Um, I, I think that that much is clear. He was acquired at the trade deadline when the Magic kind of understood that their experiment with Ken Birch and Wessel Wundu kind of splitting uh, Jonathan Isaac's uh, starting starting role wasn't quite working. 
that Aaron Gordon was being forced to play a lot of small forward and wasn't put in the right spots, and they needed someone with a little veteran know-how, some defense, some defensive grit to get everyone in the right spot. James Ennis's stats are not impressive. I, I, I think it's surprising how unimpressive they are. Eight and a half points per game with the Orlando Magic. 4.8 rebounds per game. Shot 28.6% from beyond the arc, but a 51.9% effective field goal percentage in the playoffs. Seven points per game. 40.0% effective field goal percentage, just 25% from three. Every time Steve Clifford said, James Ennis is a good three-point shooter, I kind of chuckled a little bit because the stats, and frankly his career stats, don't suggest that. 35% career three-point shooter. So maybe he had a bad year. Maybe uh, maybe all that was at play. And certainly at play two was Ennis didn't get a chance to really get comfortable. You know, I think it is fair to say that when the pandemic hit and the season went on hiatus, Ennis was just starting to get really comfortable with the Magic and the way that they run their system and, and where he fit into it. And of course, when the season resumed, Ennis had to miss some time because he caught COVID-19 and had to join the team late in the bubble. So again, I think all of that is in play. I think Ennis, I think Ennis never got the chance to get comfortable. And, and the signs that when he was able to get consistency and get comfortable showed that, yeah, he can definitely contribute some things. He could definitely be a stabilizer within the, within the lineup. Whether he's exactly what the Magic need, I don't know. But he can be a stabilizer in the lineup. I do think that the Magic are going to keep him around. Um, obviously, he has, a, he has an option for next season, and I expect him to take it. Um, and I think he will be a contributor to the team next season. I think that he will play a role and, and help this team in some fashion. But it is very hard to get a sense of everything that James Ennis does. Um, it, it, is, it, is, it is hard. Um, you know, he is a solid defender, but not a game-breaking defender. Um, you know, he's, he's not someone that teams attack, but he is probably not guarding the best guy anyway. Um, and, and so the Magic definitely have have something to work with with James Ennis. Um, but overall, you know, just uh, it, it's it's tough to find his role. It's tough to figure out what he's going to do and what he can be for this team. And I think that's kind of a tricky spot. Um, you know, again, you need veterans, you need guys who are just grinders, and James Ennis is a grinder. So I think I think the Magic will be good to keep him. Uh, for next season and 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 see what he can provide them. We'll talk about Ken Birch and Gary Clark here just a minute in just a moment to close out our player evaluations. But first, a word from our pals at Built Go. When you hit this time of day, it's one o'clock as I'm recording this. I, I'm in need of lunch, but I got to finish this podcast. I, I, I got to deliver this podcast to the peoples. As y'all want to hear my thoughts on Gary Clark, I know you do, and that's why I'm going to take a quick swig of Built Go. Built Go is absolutely what you need, the solution that you need to break through your wall, your 2 o'clock wall, your 3 o'clock wall, your post-workout wall, your pre-workout wall, your, man, I really don't want to get out of bed wall, whatever wall you have to break through. That's not an actual wall. Those can hurt. Um, Built Go will help you get through it. Whether it's mental or physical, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take. comes in one and a half ounce packages you put in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine or in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. How does Built Go work so well? It combines energy gel with collagen proteins. Those are fast-absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. It's loaded with good stuff, 
like beta alanine, B3 honey, and a kick of caffeine to ignite your work. It then kicks in to keep you going strong with B6 and B12 vitamins. Collagen also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so this stuff literally makes you look better too. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So the final two players we're going to talk about are very, very different. Um, they play the same position, virtually, but very, very different in how they approach it, and obviously two, two kind of sides of the same coin. And, and I don't think it's bad to have versatility. I don't think it's bad to have guys in reserve that can play a little bit differently than, than you would expect. Um, so I, 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 don't, I, don't, you know, like, I don't think it's bad that, that you have two guys that do, don't play consistently, maybe, that can be there when you need them. And, and frankly... You know, one thing that I do think is good about the Magic's roster, although I do think depth is an issue, I think the Magic need more quality depth and, you know, shooting just fixes everything and that's that's the biggest issue the Magic have. The one thing I think the Magic do have is they have a lot of guys that Steve Clifford trusts enough to throw in there when he needs them. The problem that they have is they don't have guys that Steve Clifford trusts enough to play anyway. Um, acquiring James Ennis was because Wessa Wundu and Ken Birch weren't working out the way that they liked which means that Wesa Wundu wasn't play wasn't trusted enough to be the starter full time at small forward alongside Aaron Gordon, um, which I think I do think is a problem. I think that I don't know if that speaks bad to Steve Clifford or to Wesa Wundu, but I do think it's a problem that the Magic needed to get James Ennis. That as good as 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 adequate as James Ennis was, Ennis played his role. He was fine, and I don't have a problem with James Ennis. Um, but the Magic should have slid Wesa Wundu in there. They should have had Melvin Frazier ready to go behind him. I do think that speaks to some of the Magic's problems developmentally in the back end of the drafts. Um, again, that's I think that is a fair, fair criticism of this team and one that I frankly share. I, I think Wes the one who had proven that he is ready to play a little bit more. And while he may not have the size to play small forward the way you like, that's kind of a problem, you know, that, that he wasn't ready to step right in. But Ken Birch was always put in an awkward spot. Last year, he was clearly better than Mo Bamba, but Mo Bamba was the first-round pick, and you're going to give the rookie a chance. You're going to let him play a little bit. You're going to give him every opportunity, it feels like, to own that spot and, and, and to play through some mistakes. And last year, Birch was clearly better, and I, I, I don't think it's coincidence that the Magic started playing a little bit better, especially their bench, when Bamba got hurt and they could finally play Birch. 
Birch was a great defensive player. He's just so good at positioning and understanding where he needs to be. He's he's a veteran. He knows how to play, and he knows how to play professional basketball better than a rookie like Mo Bamba. This year, though, that began to flip. I do think Bamba was the better player this year. But in fairness to Kim Birch, Birch did a lot of the same things that made him successful last season in 2019. He did a lot of those same things. But not as effectively. And at the end of the day, the Magic ultimately put him in spots where he couldn't succeed. They played him at power forward a ton. And Steve Clifford even admitted after the season ended on the Orlando Magic pod squad that his mistake was playing Birch as the power forward instead of the center. He should have played Vuce as the power forward. And that's what he did in the playoffs, and that lineup actually had some success. The Birch-Vucevic lineup worked a little bit better in the playoffs than it did in the regular season because of the way that Clifford used Birch as a power forward trying to spread the floor. The fact of the matter is, as good as Birch is defensively, as good as he is with his positioning, as good as he is understanding where he needs to be, he is not a potential impact player on that side of the floor. Not consistently enough, anyway. And offensively, he just doesn't provide you anything. Birch is mostly scoring off of putbacks. He's not much of a role threat because, just frankly, he never really catches the ball cleanly that often. So Birch, like a one new, like 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 Gary Clark, to be frank, Birch was a guy that the Magic trusted to start when they needed him to maintain rotations. That's fine. But how much further did they trust him beyond that? I don't know. And that's kind of the problem. Ken Birch, Ken Birch reached his potential. He reached his ceiling in this season. We saw exactly the limits of Ken Birch's game. You can't play him at power forward. He's only a center. That part should have been obvious, but he's not enough of a defensive impactor to be anything more than a reserve, to be a backup center. And that's okay. Kem, you know, The credit to Ken Birch is he is willing to play that role. He doesn't mind that role. He will do whatever the coaches ask of him. He's proven he's an NBA player, to be frank. You know, if the Magic decide to move him or not bring him back after the end of his contract, he's going to find some place to play. He's an energy guy that can that can be solid as a de- as a defensive presence for your second unit. That's valuable, not you know twenty million dollar valuable, but you know a couple couple million, five million valuable, and that's okay. You need those guys too, and I don't think the Magic are in any rush to move off of Birch or to. To give to say, oh, we're we're done with him. He's valuable. He he can provide value to the team and provide and you need three centers and he can provide that kind of depth to this team. But as we all expected, Bamba was better this year. Bamba took and owned that backup that backup center role with some mistakes that you'd expect from a young player. But as he got healthier, as he recovered from the foot injury, as the as he put the, that injury behind him, he was clearly the more impactful and potentially game-changing player. The kind of player that they drafted, to be frank, with the sixth pick. And that leaves Birch on the sidelines once again. The more interesting case, the more interesting discussion comes with Gary Clark. When the Magic signed Gary Clark in January to a 10-day contract, they were just searching for depth. They just lost Jonathan Isaac. Their power forward position was a mess. They were trying Ken Birch there. They needed just someone to be a body and to provide something extra. 
And like I said, versatility is not a bad thing. So they signed Gary Clark with the idea that he would be a stretch four. Gary Clark is a solid defender, and his positioning is great. If you tack him and he's able to get to his spots, he is going to be a tough guy to beat. He's not stopping you if you can get past him. He's not stopping you if you get too deep on him. But he is going to be in the right spot more often than not. You can trust him defensively. But but what was really interesting was what happened with Gary Clark in the playoffs. The Magic, you know, had chances to win two games in those playoffs. Game one, obviously, they won. And game four, they were in the game in the fourth quarter until a run at the beginning of the fourth quarter ended their hopes of winning that game. They had their chances to win that game. And the key similarity between games one and games four was Gary Clark. He hit four threes in each of those games. Four of 12 in the first game, four of eight, I believe, in game four. And what Gary Clark showed there was the potential and the need for the Magic to get a stretch four, to get a true shooting big man. Because say what you want about Gary Clark, he is not a stretch four. This season, he's a career 32.1% three-point shooter. He shot 35% from three for the Magic this season. 34.4% in the playoffs. He shoots almost exclusively threes. His offensive role is a stretch four, and he is not a very effective stretch four. Not bad. I'm, again, I'm not saying he's, he's completely useless, but not bad. And I think that inconsistency with the shooting... Plus, again, eventually the Magic decided to acquire James Ennis to kind of put everyone in the right spot, and that pushed Clark further down the depth chart to the point where he wasn't playing consistently every game. You know, essentially Gary Clark's role became give Aaron Gordon a little bit of a rest. The Magic were really relying on Aaron Gordon this year. And again, Gary Clark's playoff performance was admirable. I think he did the best he could against Giannis. Um, you know, he did the best he could offensively. Uh, but eventually the Bucks essentially just made the bet that if the Magic are going to beat us, Gary Clark's going to have to hit four or five threes. And we're going to bet that he's not going to do that. And that bet paid off in a five-game series. They got burned by it once, but they stuck to that bet, and they won it. To me, the Gary Clark experience, especially in the playoffs again, showed how much the Magic, A, need to add shooting, and B, should be looking for a stretch four. Because that changes so much. And of course, that's difficult because both Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac are essentially power forwards. And they're not shooters. I don't expect Gary Clark back next year. Um, I, 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 don't think that, I don't think that he ultimately fills the needs the Magic have. Plus, the Magic have now Aaron Gordon, Al Farouk Aminu, and Chuma Okiki who are all capable of playing that four spot. They're going to make room for Al Farouk Aminu. And Al Farouk Aminu, of course, is a non-shooter too. But if there's one value that came from Gary Clark, especially in the playoffs, it's to show how valuable and important shooting at that spot is. The ability to hit a spot up three is going to be critical if the Magic want to develop and grow. And they need to find players who can fit and play that role. That's going to do it for our player evaluations, and that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr_md. Follow the podcast on Twitter. At Locked On Magic, you can of course subscribe at, uh, at on Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts. Your podcast enabled listening device. So you can find me again on Twitter at philiprr_omd. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. We'll start diving into the draft a little bit. 
Coming up later in the week, we'll talk a little bit about the seasons that Steve Clifford and Jeff Waltman had as well. But until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross from Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.